Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And someone who did not have his mama's house paid for by Harlan Crow. I'm Nick Severi. Oh, I like that. And I was on MSNBC saying some of that. Uh, Well, more on that later on the program. Uh, First, Nick, uh, our national security is at risk. More on this crazy story about the Massachusetts Air National Guard, Jack Teixeira, who was recently arrested by the FBI. Nick and I We'll break down everything happening in, happening in that case, excuse me. Plus, later on in the program, Congressman Jamal Bowman, a representative out of New York, he's back on the show with us. We're going to get into a bunch with congressmen. Obviously, the mass shooting that happened in Louisville, he had an exchange, a heated exchange on the House floor with Representative Thomas Massey. Plus, we're going to talk more about TikTok, banning of TikTok. Nick and I went into it in a previous episode. Representative Bowman sits on one side of that fence. You're going to hear from him. In our next segment, uh, Nick, how you been, buddy? What's been going on? I just alluded to my television appearance. For those of you that did not catch it uh, this past weekend, I was on Eamon Mohideen's show on MSNBC. So I'm doing good. I'm very happy the Knicks won their playoff game as of this recording. Who knows if they win game two? How you been, buddy? What's going on your way? Good. Um, on the other side, for me, obviously, is a somewhat Nets fan. Not surprised, although I do have uh, Philly winning that in five per DraftKings. So let's see if that all works out. Um, but we're good, though. You're actually you're all catching me, listeners and viewers. Um, just before I go on leave for work, I'll be away for a few days back in Little Rock, Arkansas, which I'm excited. Last time I was there, I was only there. I spent maybe half a day in Little Rock before getting to the airport. So this time I get to be there, taking some more of the food, the Clinton Library for anyone who's down in the South, who's in Al- or in Arkansas, 
a really cool place to visit. It's the second presidential library I've been to, the first being the Kennedy one in Boston. So I'm excited about it. I'm going to miss my girls, obviously. Um, and that's and it is a it's a yeoman's effort by my wife to, you know, corral the, the our little girls for the next four days, really. Um, so that's always going to be tough. But I, I'm excited to be on the ground, be with clients. I get to visit schools, which I haven't done in a while. So it's it's good times, though. All right. Let's get into our first topic, Nick, because. You and I have been texting back and forth uh, about, you know, what to discuss on this week's show. And there was a few uh, recent stories making headlines, obviously, Supreme Court Justice uh, Clarence Thomas, like you just mentioned before, and his relationship with Harlan Crow and that ProPublica report. But something happened a few days ago that kind of uh, kind of got lost in the shuffle, I think, a little bit. We're still coming down off of what happened in Louisville here stateside with that mass shooting at that bank there in Louisville. But this kind of went under the radar and now it's been brought to the front of the attention. And it kind of intertwines with all the stuff we've been talking about, about classified documents with the former president. And if you don't know this story, it's about the Massachusetts Air National Guard, Jack Teixeira, who was recently captured by the FBI, the 21-year-old, accused of leaking classified U.S. intelligence files. Take a listen here to a little bit more of an explainer on who Jack Teixeira is and what he was doing. He is the young airman accused of using an internet chat room to chat national secrets, hundreds of them, over months, until his capture. Ukraine conflict featured in the published material, which the leaker said he'd brought home from work at a military base. Russia featured in documents. So did North Korea, Israel and a host of countries friend and foe. The Washington Post interviewed a member of the chat room who knew Tashira by his chat room name, OG. He was a young, charismatic man who loved nature, God, who loved shooting guns and, and racing cars. The documents were posted on Discord, an instant messaging platform popular with gamers. They're believed to have been posted on a server named Thug Shaker Central as early as mid-January by the leaker who called himself OG. It always amazes me when I hear things like that. And it's uh, the way they frame people that do bad things in this country. And ah, I didn't I didn't know he was capable of doing that. I didn't know she was capable of doing that. Uh, you just never know anybody, folks, uh, you know, what they're capable of doing. Um, I want to play a little bit of what Attorney General Merrick Garland said last week after the arrest. But one of the things that everyone's kind of scratching their head at is this top security clearance that this guy had. I mean, he holds a junior rank of an airman in first class. So in order to be given this clearance, and this is according to BBC News, Mr. Teixeira signed a lifetime binding non-disclosure agreement, acknowledging that the unauthorized disclosure of protected information could result in criminal charges. So for the people that are out there wondering, how did this guy get access to sensitive documents, 21 years old, a junior level position in the National Guard? This is how the Air Force website says that personnel assigned to his role are responsible for operating the Air Force's global communications network, which is how he got access to these sensitive documents. And then, as you heard there in the clip, was able to upload it across these servers. Take a listen a little bit, like I said, to Attorney General Merrick Garland on the arrest of Jack Teixeira. Today, the Justice Department arrested Jack Douglas Teixeira in connection with an investigation into alleged unauthorized removal, retention and transmission of classified national defense information. 
Teixeira is an employee of the United States Air Force National Guard. FBI agents took Teixeira into custody earlier this afternoon without incident. He will have an initial appearance at the U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts. I want to thank the FBI, Justice Department prosecutors, and our colleagues at the Department of Defense for their diligent work on this case. This investigation is ongoing. We will share more information at the appropriate time. He's going to appear in a federal court, like they mentioned, um, and he's been charged with unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents and materials. According to legal experts, if he's found guilty, Teixeira faces up to 15 years behind bars. He did not enter a, a plea, by the way, when he did appear before the court this past Friday. Uh, one other thing to note, Nick, before I get um, some of your thoughts here on this, uh, Jack Teixeira's family has a long history of military service. Friends say he long wanted to join the military, which now obviously is raising questions amongst the FBI as they continue to investigate, search through his records and, and his computer and his hard drive and stuff like that of why he would potentially endanger U.S. national security by leaking these files. Um, Nick, like I said, uh, as somebody who comes at this from an angle of media literacy and, and watching a lot of these networks and these outlets and the way they're covering this stuff, this story was it was covered. I'm not going to say it wasn't covered, but it was something that kind of fell a little bit, you know, side by side to yet another mass shooting that has happened in this country last week uh, with what happened in Louisville. And so I don't think the full details are understood. And I also think the documents in terms of what was on it with respect to the Russia-Ukraine war maybe doesn't get as much play because of how much people have become kind of numb to what is happening in Ukraine. We've seen the different takes from uh, Republican, especially the MAGA Republican side of that house, uh, that side of the house, excuse me, uh, talking about how, you know, we fund too much to the Ukraine war. And there's a lot of people, obviously, they're like, there's a reason we do that, right? Because there's a dictator that, that invaded his neighbor to the south. And we don't want that to happen with another country a little bit further east from all of that. Um, what's some of your reactions on, on this story and the way it's kind of played out? Um, chat room stuff. You and I are not in chat rooms. I, I mean, as a guy who works in technology, I, uh, chat rooms, Discord, I do know, which is the network that he was using. I've used that before in, in terms of promoting the show and to to what it was mentioned there in the clip. It's really, really big on video games, right? Like that's where you can do, uh, do a lot of your messaging. And there's so many people that live on Discord. So, but the moving of all these files on different servers, what was behind it? what he's facing now. And again, we talk about this all the time, and I'm sure you're going to bring this up. So many people have access to classified documents. Why, why does this kid have access to classified documents at the position that he's in? Give me some of your reactions on this. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start with the last point you just brought up, which I, I take great pride as a show because you and I have talked both offline and sometimes on this program too. Asking that question aloud, and I know in the coming weeks, Mike, you're working on getting someone on the show who's going to help us really provide clarity to that, because that is a that is a very real thing that we keep experiencing. You know, people with this level of access that um, you know misplace things or put in critical information in places it shouldn't. You know, notice the contrast, and obviously there are very important reasons for this, but I want you all to notice the contrast between the way we're talking about this gentleman here as opposed to you know the former president, the current president, and the former vice president. 
who essentially had access to classified information that misplaced it, right? We're finding it in the bo- behind a president's car. The former president has documents at a house away from the White House. None of this stuff is authorized. And everyone keeps claiming executive privilege and all that stuff. And that's true. And again, this is in reference to national defense and what those documents that um, these for, you know current and former elected officials may have may be different. But at the end of the day, it still comes back to the fact that people have critical information about this country and are are being are just acting reckless with it. You know, something that I do want to harp on what you said about um, the way someone had reacted to, um, you know, who I'm basically going to call a traitor at this point. Um, he was, as I wrote here, a young, charismatic man who loved God. Um, but apparently he didn't love our troops, though, putting everyone in harm's way. Um, he certainly didn't love Ukraine. You know, I'm pretty sure that there's nothing in scripture that says anything about um, just trying to do your people in because you're trying to show off on a Discord server. So now about that server, I like the Washington Post's perspective, not perspective, but the reporting kind of slants to some really important information about young people. And I'm going to read this from from the article. Quote, but the arrest doesn't end the dilemma for the military. How to supervise a young workforce that has access to classified secrets, but lives much of its life online, including in corners of the Internet, where many share a fascination with military hardware and an eagerness to show off for strangers and friends. And this was from a professor at Virginia Tech who focuses on social dimensions of online community video games. This quote, young men who may not feel their life gives them cachet and importance. They're trying to find that online, often by attaching themselves to the gravitas of war and combat. Mike, this reminds me a little bit of what we learned when we talked to Dr. Stephen Kirtan, um, you know, at UNC Greensboro. This idea that, you know, that men, many you have this sense of young men, especially this sense of powerlessness, this want to feel important and to still remain engaged. And this f- fuels into the whole MAGA argument, which is this idea of you know, the feminization, quote unquote, of, of the United States of America. Um, which is usually something put forward by insecure men like uh, Ben Shapiro. Anywho, but we keep coming back. But what was really interesting there was this idea that the military is trying to recruit. They continue to try to recruit because the numbers keep getting less. We, we are having a problem recruiting so much so that we had a military official that was quoted last year that talked about you know some of these you know PPP benefits and all the things that we're doing in the pandemic was actually having a potential adverse effect about reducing military enrollment because people because he gave it away right <laughs> we try to recruit people who don't have a lot of money who are trying to find a better way out um and when the government gives them all this money people are less inclined to serve the United States the serve the United States military and at the same time, you have people that live in this world where online communities feel the same as the real community. Quick story on that. My freshman year at college, this was just before Mike came over at Rutgers. You know, I had a, um, a person who lived in my dorm, same floor. Um, his name was Mike as well. And he got caught up in the online communication or the online chat room thing. He just went down this rabbit hole of just talking to people through um, I think it was either AOL or I'm trying to think of the other chat um, functions. I mean, this is over 20 years ago. And to the point where he was just missing classes, he was spending all this time in the computer lab because he'd found a community of people and he was talking to you know, who he thought were, maybe they were, who knows, you know, different women and stuff. And this was at the time because our generation is the one that really kind of fell upon 
online chat rooms and AOL and things like that. And he just became a victim in the end, so much so that he missed the rest of his classes, failed out his fr- his freshman year. You know, parents took him out of, out after his first semester. This happened. I never forget that. Um, and I always think of Mike in those particular moments. This this guy, Mike, um, and that's what this guy sounds like. Just someone who, you know, wanted to impress others, felt connected to a community virtually as opposed to one, you know, in real life. So much so that he forgot his job. And it was more about impressing friends and actually his role. And that is a generational divide. And I think the military has to come to grips with the fact that you're dealing with potentially a young workforce that is more connected to their friends and clout than service to the government. No, you make some great points. And, you know, as you were talking there, I was I was reading through this this article from the BBC News about all of this. And it's just talking about how on one day, all of a sudden, he made this pivot switch from these chat rooms of like no one responding to all of a sudden dumping all of these files. And one of the photos that is in this article that you can go check out on BBC.com is a map of like military positions and like what we're doing with respect to ground, some ground troops potentially with respect to air defense. Um, There's a lot of information in here. And again, as you and I are lay people and we're not really um, involved in the military documentation uh, business. I don't know what a lot of this means, but I know that in the wrong hands of somebody that does know what it means, it's incredibly damning and, and potentially crippling for the United States, especially as they're trying to help this country that was attacked and invaded uh, by their neighbor to the north. Anyway, we leave it there because more on this story as it continues to evolve. Like I said, he already entered no plea uh, with respect to the the, the Friday uh, hearing that he had. Um, FBI is still doing more investigating on his personal servers, everything with respect to his house, trying to find motives. And again, the parallels uh, of here's somebody with the classification clearance to have access to those documents and then knowingly puts them out there to harm the public, right? Or to harm the United States pales in comparison or does it to what the former president did again at the top of the food chain, keeping documents saying they're his and that he can declassify them in his mind. Something I said recently as well on TV, because it's, it's, it's interesting because there's some parallels, but not really, but how fast they got Jack to share versus how slow they've gotten not only President, not only President Biden, with the, with respect to what he did when he was vice president, but also Vice President Pence too, and the amount of documents that he had. So we'll see. All of this stuff will shake out. You know, we'll be covering it. All right. When we come back after the break, one of my favorite congressmen out there, Representative Jamal Bowman, we had him on the program last time. This guy's great, and you know the stand that he took about gun violence and Congress wanting to do something on it. He's been very vocal about it. We're going to ask him about it when we come back after the break. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. 
All right, quick break from the podcast to tell you about the good folks over at Fresh Roasted Coffee, the official sponsor of the Can We Please Talk podcast. You know, Nick, I want to do this different, this ad read. You hear the music in the background, but let's tell the people about what we truly like about Fresh Roasted Coffee. I'm going to go first because I love their Colombian Supremo. It's my favorite K-Cup. Uh, everybody in my family has been ordering it. It's it, You can smell it when you're putting it in the K-Cup machine. It's just so delicious and refreshing to know that I don't have to go with some of these other brands that are out there, that their coffee just doesn't translate into K-Cups for me. And you know I'm a big K-Cup guy. And I just, I just love what fresh roasted coffee brings me in the morning. I know I can make my cup of coffee, make my omelet, have my breakfast ready to go. What do you love about fresh roasted coffee, Mr. Mr. Coffee Snob, aficionado? I love the fact that they've turned my, they've turned my coffee setup into the best coffee shop in town. You know, about a mile down the road from me is a, a coffee company known for a particular shade of green, shall we say. I haven't stepped foot in there since you've introduced me to fresh roasted coffee love it they have absolutely this company folks i gotta tell you fresh roasted coffee turned my home into the best coffee shop in town now mike talked about flavors i am a vanilla person every time i order from fresh roasted coffee and by the way can we get 20 we'll make sure you say 20 percent off your first order when i order vanilla the hazelnut coconut it's my, it's my holy trinity of coffee. Respect. <laughs> um, and it never fails. It comes in the box, ready to go. It's the perfect blend of flavor, but also strength. Because when I wake up in the morning, I want a strong cup of coffee. But I also want to get that flavor, too. And in a French press, as soon as I push it down, four minutes, of course, let it steep. Just get it right. I'm good to go, and I'm blowing through the coffee. I mean, these folks at, at Fresh Rose of Coffee know every few weeks I'm calling in. And if you want to, folks, you can be a subscriber, too, like I'm going to become. Mike, they've <laughs> they've turned my home into the ultimate coffee experience. I can't, I can't put it any better than that. I mean, you really can't sum it up better than that. And like Mr. Severi mentioned, you go to FreshRoasterCoffee.com right now. Not only coffee, they have tea as well. They're Positively Tea sister brand. But you put all of this stuff, you go onto their site, you take their quiz, you get the coffee, you get the tea, you get the mugs, anything you want. When you get to checkout, enter in the promo code, can we get 20 to get 20% off the delicious coffee. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right. The representative from my home state in New York, New York 16th district. Congressman Jamal Bowman's back on the program with us. Congressman Mike Leon, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me again. Of course, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've been in the news a lot, my friend. And as again, as somebody that used to live in that district, very proud of a lot of the stuff that you're doing. And I want to get into some of it here on this show, because at the top, obviously, we've seen some recent mass shootings that have happened in Nashville, in Louisville, Kentucky. You had the exchange with Representative Massey on the House floor. And the argument that he was making about schools with teachers that have guns don't have school shootings, one of the stupidest arguments of all time I've ever heard. But I wanted to ask you specifically because we've seen this talking point on the right specifically with respect to Senator Ted Cruz. Let's arm uh, schools like we do with banks. And then a shooting happens at a bank. For our audience right now that's watching and listening to this, what do you feel Congress needs to do realistically that can help 
at least it's not going to put an end to mass shootings. But what can we do actually in practice right now? Because you were yelling at Representative Massey to look at the data. It sounds like they're not looking at the data. We understand that they're not going to give up the money they're getting from the gun lobby. But what can Congress actually do to help the American people right now with this wave of, of school shootings, mass shootings? Well, listen, we can do a lot. Um, the reason why I said look at the data is because states that have more lax gun laws, like open carry laws, uh, where you can go into a, a gun store with a driver's license from any state and purchase a gun, purchase an assault rifle, purchase as many guns as you want. States that have laws like that have higher incidence of gun violence. And that is not only related to mass shootings and murder, it's also related to suicide. So that's a fact. That is data-driven. That's why I mentioned to Representative Massey, he needs to look at the data. What Congress needs to do and should do is a very few specific things. Number one, we need a ban on assault rifles. Now, before people say uh, we cannot ban assault rifles, they will never let that happen. Uh, the Brady Bill, not too long ago, had a ban on assault rifles in our country, and we saw a dramatic decrease in mass shootings when that happened. So banning assault rifles is possible. We need universal background checks. Now, what does that mean? Again, in certain states right now, I could go into any gun store with simply a license and purchase a gun. In New York State, that has very strong gun laws, you have to take a class, you have to send out an application. There is a thorough background check and review process that takes several weeks to sometimes more than several months. And then you go back to the gun store and the gun store does its own background check. We need something like that in every state in our country. And Congress can pass a federal piece of legislation that does just that. Uh, number three, we need national red flag laws red flag laws. So if someone is a danger to themselves or others, they can be reported and not be allowed to purchase a gun. Fourth, we need to close sale loopholes. So in many states, person-to-person -person sale does not have to be tracked, right? So that that is a big, big problem. And also gun show loopholes uh, are available where those also are not tracked. Big deal. Lastly, Congress needs to force the DOJ to enforce laws that are currently on the books. Very specifically, the majority of law enforcement agencies, actually 10,000 out of 17,000, do not track firearm crime, meaning they do not enter ballistic information into a internet server that is tracked in law enforcement. They do not do that. As a result, we do not have the majority of the data we need to stop gun trafficking, to stop straw purchases, and to hold uh, store owners accountable for selling to gun traffickers. But the data we do have indicates who the gun traffickers are in certain states and which gun owners, gun show, uh, gun stores are most egregious in selling to gun traffickers. We know that information now, but the DOJ hasn't acted to hold those 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 people accountable. Um, and so there's a lot we can do. We just have mostly Republicans in Congress who don't wanna act on this issue because they are sacrificing the lives of children for the second amendment. And that's why we need to vote the right people in the office 
and vote these people who don't want to act on gun control out of office. As a parent and somebody who worries about that in a carry open carry state like Florida, I agree with you on a lot of that because it's something that keeps me up at night as a parent uh, of two little kids that are both in school. Uh, I wanted to shift gears real quick. Speaking of law and order, uh, you've been very vocal about, and I was on an MSNBC panel recently talking about this, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and the recent ProPublica report about the money that he's potentially getting from Harlan Crow that he hasn't disclosed. You've been vocal on social media about calling for his resignation. Again, what is something realistically that could happen to uh, Justice Thomas? There's only been one Supreme Court justice that's ever been impeached and, and they were found acquitted in the Senate. So I'm curious if, if this happened on the opposite side of the aisle, the impropriety that's happening, I think a lot of Republicans will be calling for that Democrat to resign. What is something realistically that Congress should be doing about Justice Thomas and this relationship with Harlan Crow? Well, if this was a Democrat justice, a Democratic justice, uh, Republicans in the House would be moving to impeach them right now as we speak. So uh, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Again, you, you mentioned realistically. Here's the thing. The American people need to trust its government. And right now, the American people do not trust the government. Throughout my lifetime, the American people rarely trusted the government. So right now, the government has to do the work to rebuild that trust. Part of rebuilding that trust is doing the right thing, whether at the end of the day, you lose the fight or not. The American people need to see that we're fighting. In my uh, argument with Representative Massey, we got calls from all over the country, hundreds of calls, emails, and text messages of people just thanking us for even fighting, for showing outrage. They felt connected. Finally, a member of Congress feels the way we feel about this issue. It's the same thing with Clarence Thomas. We need the public to call for his resignation. We need the public to contact senators, members of Congress, to push them to call for his res resignation. Uh, and if he doesn't resign, we need to act on impeaching him. Now, if that is not Republicans while they are in control over the next couple of years, it needs to be Democrats when we take control back in 2024. I mean, he is no longer objective if he is taking gifts from big donors. He's no longer objective. He's no longer uh, interpreting, excuse me, acting upon the Constitution. He's now interpreting it. And as you saw after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, in his opinion, he wrote that maybe it's time to go after same-sex marriage as well. So this is who he is. He is not representative of what that body is supposed to represent. He needs to be held accountable. But beyond that, we need ethics reform on the Supreme Court. We need to expand the Supreme Court. And we need overall democracy reform that includes the Supreme Court, the Senate, the House, and the Electoral College. You know, I wanted to ask you about something that's kind of uh, intertwines in my world as somebody whose day job works in product and technology. You've been very vocal about the House meetings with respect to TikTok and these influencers, and you met with a bunch of them I know recently. I come at it from a different standpoint because as somebody who's done privacy policies in terms of uses for big organizations that are still out there in the marketplace, data capture is serious and a potential foreign government having that access is serious, but it's akin to what's happening with other social media platforms. I'm curious from your vantage point, like 
What is it that some of these influencers that you met with told you? What is your message about not banning TikTok here in the States? And why do you feel that some of the concerns that other people on that committee that have levied about China, do those concerns apply to you as well? Or do you feel like th there's a way to handle that maybe with this Project Texas and going forward with that? So first of all, I am always concerned about safety, security, and what's happening with our, with our data. I'm always concerned about this. And so I'm concerned about it as it relates to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and any social media platform. And I have been concerned about it for quite some time. And TikTok is a part of that conversation. My argument, first and foremost, was for us to have a comprehensive conversation about social media, safety, security, privacy, and, and what's happening with data brokers on the open market. So that while we're having that conversation, we could come up with the legislation we need to keep our data and us safe. That's the conversation we need to have. In terms of what I heard from the influencers, they have found a home on TikTok. They have found a community on TikTok. They have found their voices on TikTok in a way that they haven't found it on the other social media uh, platforms. That's just plain and simple. They have been able to start and excel in their small businesses on TikTok. We have 150 million people using TikTok. And right now, it is obviously a major competitor to the other social media platforms, particularly the American ones. TikTok has created a community that the other platforms claim to try to do, but have not, because many of their fund, uh, funding uh, apparatuses are rooted on um, advertising dollars that that move based on uh, engagement and um, and how well uh, certain things trend or move. So as you know, uh, things that could be lies and misinformation move very quickly on social media. Things related to um, hate or racism or sexism or abuse move quickly on social media. On the American platforms, that stuff is rewarded. Uh, on TikTok, it seems to be less so. And I say seems to be because we still have to gather more information. But what I do know is I have not received one congressional briefing on the issue of TikTok. I have not. And so what that tells me is the espionage or mind control that we're fear-mongering around when it comes to TikTok doesn't exist. Because if, di if it did, I would have received a briefing on it. We have yet to do so. So let's not scapegoat one company because if we, if we close that company tomorrow, our data can still be bought and sold on the open market by China and any other country because we don't have comprehensive legislation, which is exactly what we need. Yeah, I'm so glad, by the way, you said espionage, because it pivots into my next question about the former president of the United States, classified documents. I, I've been talking to so many legal experts, former FBI agent in charge of espionage and espionage related crimes. Um, you were recently down in Manhattan uh, combating Marjorie Taylor Greene and the nonsense that happened there when former President Trump was indicted. I'm just curious on your takeaways about the case overall, because I know you've been very vocal about the way House GOP is treating uh, the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, in that case, you know, you saw the hearing that they had yesterday downtown in Manhattan or whatever that was, if we want to call it a hearing. So I'm just curious, uh, just overall takes about the indictment itself and, and all of the misinformation and disinformation that former President Trump and the House GOP 
are putting out there about the, the district attorney and his relationship and proprieties and things like that. What do you make of all of it? Yeah, this is a GOP uh, performance and performative government. Um, this is uh, them be more, being more focused on the theater and the theatrics than they are in actually governing for the country. So, you know, Donald Trump's indictment is based on evidence. We'll let the evidence fall where it may, and we'll see if he is found guilty or innocent. That's the way the justice system is supposed to work. What the GLD, GOP is trying to do is they're trying to leverage their roles and their power to intimidate Alvin Bragg, the district attorney of Manhattan, and to um, change public perception in New York City to ensure that public perception favors Donald Trump because he is their savior, he is their former president, and he right now is in the lead of being the Republican nominee uh, for the presidency in 2024. So they are here to, to pander uh, and to uh, make sure that he knows that they are supporting him by coming not just to the arraignment, but also in terms of the hearing. And Majority Taylor Greene, I mean, you know, she just needed to take her butt back to her district and do her job, take her butt back to Washington and do something about gun violence. Jim Jordan, who chairs the, the Judiciary Committee, um, he has some of the highest rates of gun violence in the country in his district, but he tried to paint New York City as an unsafe city. So it's all theater, it's all performance, it's all a fear for profit campaign. They want to stoke fear when it comes to the border. They want to stoke fear when it comes to the debt limit. They want to stoke fear uh, when it comes to China and fear when it comes to other areas because they cannot win on the issues. They cannot win with their ideas. So let's stay on that for a second, because I want to ask you right now over the next you know, 12, 13 months, what is something that you are working hard on in your term in office right now? As we get into 2024, like what is something that maybe the American people or even people in your district, who, as I was once upon a time a part of, like what are some things that you are working on right now that are top of mind, top of the agenda for Representative Bowman? So we're going to continue to push the gun violence agenda um, and we're going to continue to the ending gun violence agenda. And we're going to continue to organize both locally and across the country uh, to put pressure on my colleagues uh, Democrat and Republican in the House and the Senate to pass transformational legislation as it deals with gun violence. Um, and that involves, when I talk about organizing, that's phone calls, that's door knocking, that's social media, that's text messages, that's talking to some key people who have key networks. Uh, we are deeply engaged um, in those conversations and looking to move the needle. As part of that, you know, in 2024, I believe there's 24, 26 Senate races that are up for election. So, you know, we want to organize to make sure we get the right senators uh, into the right seats. And so what, what's important there is we have to make sure that we understand and take a data-driven approach to every state and every county in every state so that we can identify the gaps in terms of voter turnout, so that we can organize specifically in those counties to dramatically increase voter turnout. Because these races are won and lost by a few hundred votes. So if everyone comes out, we can have a super majority or close to it in the Senate. And just so people understand, the Senate is not like the House. 
in the House, all you need is 218 votes, um, and you could pass legislation out of the House. If it's 218 or 217 or 218 or 216, 218, 215, doesn't matter. 218 is the matching number. In the Senate, there's 100 senators. You need 60 votes to pass legislation because of something called the filibuster. The filibuster could be ended tomorrow if Democrats in the House got together and said, we want to end it. But unfortunately, they have not said that. So now we need a supermajority. So we need 60 votes. But if we got more Democrats in there, let's say it got to 55, 56, we might be able to do something to end the filibuster and pass real legislation around reproductive rights, gun control, or voting rights. So this is about organizing, and this is about making sure every single person, 18 and over, is registered and votes. Because when everyone votes, we get the right people into office, and that's the ultimate goal. All right. We got one minute left here. Knicks, okay. one game one. All right. As we're recording this, it's game two. Last time I had you on, they were on a five-game winning streak, and then they lost that previous game, and I'm incredibly superstitious. But what is your prediction right now for Jalen Brunson, Randall, Josh Hart, and the Knicks against the Cavs and going forward in the rest of the playoffs? So I think the Knicks are going to win the series, um, and they'll have a tough sledding in the second round, but I think they're going to win the series. Um, tonight, game two, I think the Cavs are going to take game two because they're at home uh, and they got they got to play for their lives. They don't want to go down 0-2. Um, so uh, I think the Cavs will get game two. But I think the, the Knicks will win the series. I'm going to say the Knicks will win in six. Oh, I like it. I like it. Home game two, game six. Nobody can break down gun violence and what we should do about it. And then the Knicks regaining that home court advantage like Representative Jamal Bowman out of New York 16th district. I can't thank you enough for hopping on the podcast as well as, you know, as a Bronx kid, very proud of the work that you are doing right now in Congress. Continue success to you, sir. Stay safe. Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Appreciate you. Peace and love, man. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All right, that's our show. Our thank yous to Representative Jamal Bowman, the congressman out of New York, 16th District. And thank you to him for appearing on the program again. If you want to watch 
the video portion of our interview with Representative Bowman, head to our YouTube channel, type in Can We Please Talk Podcast. We should come right up. Do me a favor, hit that subscribe button right there and subscribe to the show. Audio podcast platforms, you know by now. Shout out to everybody that listens to us across Apple, Spotify, Google, Good Pods. If you want to email us, can we please talk podcast at gmail.com. You know we take listener questions. We'll read them on air. Feedback, we've done that before. Shout out to Acast, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. Can't do it without each and every one of you that listens, writes into this program, emails us. We truly appreciate it. As always, I'm Mike Leon. I'm Nick Saveri. We'll see everybody next time.